any place We're living in times where men commit crimes And crime don't have a face We live in a political world Icicles hanging down Wedding bells ringing, angels singing Clouds cover up the ground Welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. Starting off this show with a Bob Dylan song I had heard for the first time last night called Political World from the 1989 album, Oh Mercy. And with many songs, of course, it's still very true, even 30 years later. Join with a guest uh, to start off the show. I'm joined here by uh, Kelly. So um, please do introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Kelly Johnson. I'm a photographer from the Bay Area, and I've been an artist documenting the movement for 15 years, and here to talk about the big climate march that's coming tomorrow. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, would you 
be so kind as to share a little bit more information with our listeners? I'll elaborate. Okay, so um, we're going to meet at Embarcadero, and we're going to start the march around 10. Mm -hmm. There are going to be two significant points at 11 and 2 p.m., and we are going to have a moment of silence and solidarity for folks that have been affected by climate change. And then there is going to be a river of singing, and we have song leaders that are going to be plotted throughout the group, and they're going to lead songs so that the whole crowd can get involved. Uh, and then another incredibly awesome thing we're doing is some street murals. So, oh, cool. Yeah, David Solnit it has been working incredibly hard with hundreds of volunteers creating all of the paints and dyes and stuff that we're going to be using. And he could go into way more detail. But uh, yeah, so they're going to be painting around Civic Center. And I know that they would love as many volunteers and painters as they could to come out and help them make the biggest street mural that has ever been created that's awesome that's, it's the goal so yeah uh and then there will be amazing speakers and of course the march from embarcadero to civic center uh yeah and so we wanted to just let the community know to come out we would love to have you there are lots of places you can plug in and lots of organizations that you can talk to and learn stuff from and yeah Excellent. Thanks so much for that information. And uh, like a, the biggest mural ever sounds incredible. And yeah. San Francisco has a lot of already, the Bay Area as a whole has a lot of really great murals. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to be more. painting them on the actual streets oh, around cool. Civic Center. Right. So they're street murals. And oh, so neat. they're going to come out and chalk it really early. And people are going to kind of go in and fill in all the space and stuff like that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It should be really beautiful. So, yeah, I, I saw recently outside the White Horse Bar in like, the Berkeley Oakland border some folks had decided to paint like a rainbow crosswalk on the street yeah so I'm, think I'm about that and then yeah. five blocks of that oh awesome that sounds yeah. beautiful it should be really glorious yeah it really changes I mean art just totally changes the way one interacts with the world indeed yeah yeah all the aspects of it and I've been a photographer for a really long time and the most inspiring thing that I photograph is the progressive movement in mm. all its facets I shoot everything but I've been a climate activist for a very long time I was an I was an ecology major in college and read Al Gore's book when I was seven months pregnant and Mm -hmm. every climate report has been worse than the last and so I think it's incumbent upon all of us to get involved one way or another we all have tools right we all have Mm -hmm. skills that we can participate in the progressive movement whether it is organizing things or just making phone calls letter Mm -hmm. campaigns and so yeah I encourage folks to really plug in this is a tumultuous time in uh, world history and especially our history and I think people are more engaged and active now than they've ever been and I think this is a really great way to plunge into the the movement you know the resistance whatever you want to call it because yeah. it will be so beautiful and it will be so inspiring uh, I just can't wait to see it all yeah it sounds wonderful mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear more about your, your work as a photographer and it's I'm Often, I'm really grateful just to look look at history and to hear like either oral history and or to see photographs, especially things we don't necessarily learn in history class. Mm-hmm. So I'm really appreciative of folks who are able to document um, prior movements and people's activism. Mm-hmm. Well, I started documenting um, right before the Iraq War started. I went to uh, my first giant rally. It was 
February 15, 2003, and like 200,000 people came to San Francisco that day. And I'd been a photographer forever, but on my way out the door, I dropped my camera and literally broke my camera walking out the door. Mm-hmm. And so I got to be in it more. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a photographer, you can separate and sort of detach a little bit. And because I didn't have my camera, I really felt it incredibly viscerally, every aspect of it. And I thought, oh, my God, these are my people. I'm home. Oh, my God. You know, I was living up in the boondocks in Cloverdale where, you know, people weren't not people were okay, not necessarily okay with the war starting, but kind of apathetic Mm -hmm. and sort of ignorant about what was really happening. And so it was really great. And so. You know, after that first big rally, there were multiple following rallies that came mm-hmm. in protest to the war, and I just started going and shooting, and I didn't think about it too much. I thought it was just going to be a thing that I did for a little while, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just a little chapter in my life, but um, like I said, I was so moved and inspired by the people who were engaging, uh, and so little bit by little bit, I became more of an activist and more of a t- photographer and started working on campaigns separate from my photography and then started shooting things separate from my activism. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked on Obama's campaign and I worked on some GE Free Sonoma County campaign and um, and then there was Occupy. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, for anybody who was there, it changed you. Mm-hmm. And I think Occupy did two things, right? So one, it built this amazing network of humanity of people all over the world that wanted to get engaged and wanted to be politically active and have an impact and influence on their government. Yes, yes. And it also gave us permission to stand up for our nation and ourselves again Mm -hmm. on the streets where it had died down during my generation in the 80s and 90s. There wasn't political... (laughs) marches all over the place really you know I mean we have the Seattle and that started it and but yeah Occupy really shifted the understanding I think movements like No More Black Lives Matter the Fight for 15 Homeless Awareness all that stuff I think um, was born of both the networks and the thought that we can do this this is our government this is our country and we not only can but we should because we have a responsibility to the structure this is a democracy after all so um and simultaneously i'm taking all these photographs of these amazing human beings Mm -hmm. right and and i can see the evolution of my craft happening over like I put together books is I started in 2010 I put together my first book which was just sort of a single page per per book a little tiny one and then I did an Occupy book and then I did what I called Beyond Occupy which was the five years after which was the blow up of I don't know more and Black Lives Matter and all the things happening in the Bay I mean you know you're here it's everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's a massive community and so I put that book together and just, I mean, looking at it, it's extraordinary. I'm envisioning it in my yeah. head, just all of the stuff. I mean, it's hundreds of different actions over five years. Uh, and then Trump's campaign came. And as a woman, I decided to do a woman's book. So I collected all of the beautiful images of women that I had done over the last five years and put them into a 
I guess, 168-page book. And it's my favorite thing I've done so far uh, because women are so fierce. And I love that our our politics are finally recognizing that and bringing them more in and allowing us to have women. And and it's astonishing we can we can kind of be in the bubble of now and not realize that what is happening could have never happened just 50 years ago mm-hmm. right this this couldn't be back then mm-hmm. and so i did this really gorgeous and glorious book of all these amazing women and when i finished it i got to do a little thing i actually came on here and talked to val about it which was great and oh, yeah. i had a little book opening and all that stuff and it was really lovely I just love it and I love that book um and I'd been wanting to do a climate book for a really long time mm-hmm. um and I'd been sort of mulling it over for like the last year after I was done with women's book it takes me probably a year year and a half to put a book together and I and then found out the summit was coming and oh, I'm yeah. like Pfft well there you go you know the universe sort of solved my problem for me so i started laying that out about probably six months ago and have most of the main layout done of what i've accumulated so far but this summit is like the grand finale it's going to be the final chapter and it's nice because it really is about how beautiful the climate movement is but also the fact that the people in the climate movement kind of know their stuff they they know what they want Mm -hmm. from policymakers right it's not really that confusing anymore as far as wanting green energy resources yeah available yeah and we also know what the barriers to that are and that's the fossil fuel industry we right. know these two things we know that the banks have a big impact because mm-hmm. they are continuously funding and loaning money to this infrastructure which is dying and we all know that it's dying yes. right yes. yeah and so hopefully governor brown will see us and hear us it's going to be right here we're going to be right in his face being glorious and beautiful and maybe it will encourage him to be bold and be strong because really that's what we need that is why we hired this guy to be bold and strong on climate when we're in the face of something like like more than half of the Republican Party does not even believe in climate change they literally stand up there and say that we don't have an impact on it and that's insane I don't think they're lying I think they like literally bubble themselves bubble themselves off and they don't let themselves see that reality Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's, and i'm excited and i can't wait for it to come i i think it's going to be one of the prettiest things i've ever documented so yeah i mean there's definitely the idea of like when many people work together just to see how much can happen and how I much know. can change yeah and also just intergenerationally too just mm-hmm. to learn from our elders and yeah. to like learn from the youth as well yeah you would be amazed okay so in June is when we started having planning meetings for this. And at our first planning meeting, there were 200 people there or more. Oh, wow. There was a line out the front door for a half an hour. I'm not yeah. even joking. I've never seen anything like it. I've been to a lot of planning committee yeah. meetings and stuff where you're planning events. And there's 20 people there sitting around mm-hmm. a thing. And you, yeah. you get to go around the circle and introduce everybody. That wasn't happening here. And every meeting after has just had dozens and dozens and dozens of people there. There are... I don't even know how many organizations. I know 350 in San Francisco. I don't know more. Big contributors, Sunflower Alliance. But I mean, I'm not exaggerating. There are just dozens of organizations behind this and, and supporting it and getting their members out. And plus SEIU. Oh, yeah. SEIU. Yeah. 
So yeah, tons. It should be glorious and grand. Cool. I had a couple questions. Yeah, um, please. I was curious if there's also other events happening around the country. Uh, tomorrow as well right yes tomorrow actually is a global day of action and we are the spearhead because the summit is here okay. yeah and so all over the world literally are actions going on from here to dc oh, and yeah cool. other countries all that yeah. yeah it's really neat and anybody can get plugged in they can go to uh rise for org. um if you want to plug into something close to home you can go to california rise for org. Um, yeah, well, and find them all on the Facebooks. There's probably, okay, so we have the, the initial day of action, which is Saturday, but there are also multiple events going on throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, every single day, there's another thing. And what I would recommend is going to either rise California, mm-hmm. uh, dot org or going to Facebook. There's just multiple climate events going on. If you tap into one, it'll lead you to others and stuff too. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in direct actions and things yes. like that, there's many things available for people to plug into. It's pretty exciting. Cool. And also, I've been reading a little bit about like the bayou. Like They're trying to build another pipeline in Louisiana. And yeah. I've heard folks have been arrested there. So mm-hmm. similar to what was happening at Standing Rock. So uh, yeah, about there's, that and how that might tie into the events tomorrow. There are actually contingents coming from all over the country of people representing places like Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. Who um, And actually this afternoon, um, we're going to come here again with a Pacific Island contingent member who's going to come and talk about what's going on in their thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of the details in the fight right now as far as the southern pipeline i don't know what is happening i do know we've had a victory recently oh i can't remember i'm i'm sorry on the spot i can't pull out the details but a lot lot of things that are happening there are a lot of things happening and 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 you can see that people's activities are actually having an impact on policymakers even in this sort of weird climate that we're in politically Mm -hmm. and so yeah Sorry. What What do you feel like has been worked has worked the most? Like I have definitely have a lot of skepticism um, towards policymakers mm-hmm. and the system as a whole. And I also recognize that the work that can be done as like harm reduction, at least, to mm-hmm. you know make the climate at least more livable and make things more equitable. So I was just curious as to, in your experience, what do you find has worked the most in terms of contacting those with in positions of power? I talk about this a lot actually with friends that. Every single one of us has tools that we can engage. I happen to be a photographer, and Mm -hmm. so I use that tool in my thing. Um, But there are plenty of people who are politically active who are actually people who can run for office and want to take that role. I don't know that there is anything that is necessarily more significant, right? It is really more about a person knowing what they can participate and then actually just getting off the couch and doing that. It's really easy to not get involved because it is an incredibly overwhelming thing. Mm-hmm. I I get critiqued a lot by people who know me who are not activists saying that, well, what's the use of marching? You know, who even cares? Well, yeah, maybe. And if it is only for solidarity with my community who are climate activists who go around the world doing lectures and teaching students about climate change or whether it's going on the radio and talking about the books that they just wrote about climate change, I think every single thing has an impact. I mean, right. we live in such an integrated society that it should all have an impact. Right, and right. we should all take advantage, even if it's just a little thing. Right. When I first became an activist, I just worked on one campaign and made some phone calls. Yeah. Right. When I got to by the time I was on Obama's campaign I knocked on doors and did stuff like that I worked on Dan Siegel's campaign and I took photos for him and I knocked on doors then and I've registered voters I mean there's a million ways to 
become engaged on every level. And I don't know that there is, I mean, we could go knock on Jerry Brown's door, right? And that is fun and exciting. But then I also become an adversary and he doesn't want to hear from me. He doesn't want to hear my voice. So can I write a great and eloquent letter? Sure, I can do that. I think everything has an impact. I have gone outside of people's doors and yeah. <laughs> knocked on their doors. Yeah. I've done that. I've been arrested for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I also know that it takes every tack. And we also yeah. have to be honorable in our stance. I really believe we are correct that climate change is a perilous danger for us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I believe that. Yeah. So I don't need to take actions that make me smaller right we have a really petty pathetic human as our president right now so we're having a prime example of what let's not be mm-hmm. right yes. let's not be that we don't actually have to be that because we have facts we have reality on our side yeah so what we really need is a logical argument about all the different options that are open to us mm-hmm. There are a lot of conversations going about on about what the different climate solutions are, whether it's cap and trade, taxing carbon, and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of conversations we should be having now among small groups and large groups, and especially policymakers who <clears throat> maybe believe in climate change, mm-hmm. but they don't know all the real intimate facts that right. can lead them to informed policymaking. I and see. so I think that's a lot of what um, the intellectuals in the climate movement are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the activists who are out in the street. Yes. And then you have the policymakers who are in the city council meetings and at their Senate meetings and stuff like that. And every aspect is vital because everybody uses carbon. Yeah. Every single one of us. If you're in America, I don't care who you are. I was homeless. I still use carbon. And so we all have an impact. We all have a responsibility. We all have a burden. And that's okay. That's life, right? Is us living together in this massive society trying to figure out what the best course for us all is. Yes. And that's kind of where we are. And this is such a pivotal time for that. I mean, we are at a real fork in the road. And I think we're going to come out the other side being smarter and healthier. I really believe that. Because we do have it so blatantly in our face about Mm -hmm. what we don't want to be. Right. (laughs) You know, we have that discussion online in the social media. Well, this isn't us. Well, this is us. And and back and forth. Well, maybe it was us. Maybe it kind of is us now. Maybe it's also us saying now that this isn't who we want to be. This isn't what we want to look like. This dark past of humanity where we had less value for the earth that provides us everything. We had less value for each other. We had less value for what we considered the other, whether it was the melanin content or your religious beliefs. And I think over the past, especially in my lifetime, 50 years, we have grown as a society so vastly. It's glorious what we've done in 50 years. I mean, if you just sort of try and quantify that about all the civil rights and women's rights that have come and, and this has replaced 25 different things that I would throw away in 10 years, right? Sorry, I'm holding up my cell phone. And and think about the fact that we don't really use paper anymore. If we go and we have a ticket, we put it on our phone and everything like that. And so we have all these great aspects about our existence and we have all these scary aspects. And that is always life, right? Right. That has always been life throughout history. But I think we're at the best time now, especially to solve all of our problems. I think we do. I mean, look around. We live in the pinnacle of what society can be here. Yeah, the the extreme disparity and poverty that yes. we're surrounded with yeah. is here. 
And it's also the place where innovation can happen and we can build equality from the roots because there's so many community activists around here working for those goals. I really, uh, yeah, I have a lot of hope. I'm also terrified because it could totally go the other way, but but I'm also an activist because I want to have hope. I want to believe in us. I want, I surround myself with people who do believe and want to do the work of creating a healthier world to live in for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. That brings up a a good point too. Like it does, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and especially, (laughs) I feel like humanity has yet to like technology has evolved past humanity in a way. Like we ha- we like yeah. haven't quite caught up to exactly. how to use it. We're cavemen. Yeah, <laughs> like our... we haven't quite evolved in <laughs> right. terms of treating people equal. So then, also like who's con- who's creating the technology? How is it being used? So I yeah. feel like it is great in a lot of ways that we can mm-hmm. share information, right? And we can connect with people all right. over the world. And at the same time, there's it's dangerous in that as humans, we still haven't found a way to actually live together (laughs) and take care of the planet. But more than 50 years ago, right? So we are so much farther now than we were then. Now, yeah, we have this, I call Obama scraping off the scab and Trump oozing out the pus to clean it, right? We need to have these hard conversations that we are having. And and it is challenging and, and we are afraid and it is awful to have to talk about our past and what this country has done and we're doing it right and this little device the internet makes that possible in a way that it was never possible before it was never possible to look at the across the world and empathize with another human being we could never do that and and the fact that we've never been good at being together is because we've never been forced to be together, mm. right? If you look at countries with with calmness and prosperity, they have a homogenous society that they never had to grapple with all of the challenges that we've had to grapple with in here in America, right? They've never had to take a multitude of heritages and put them together and make them work it out despite all of their different philosophies and pasts and and despite the challenges of that we are doing it i really believe that and i'm surrounded by people who do it every day to whom it doesn't matter where your ancestors were 2000 years ago what matters is how you are as a human being here now what acts do you do here now to make this world better with and for each other yeah. I mean, I guess like something that came to mind as you were speaking was just the idea of like colonization and yeah. how things were, you know, 2000 years ago, not 2000 years, but when like, was well, the last time a, a nation was allowed to colonize? When was the last time? I mean, I feel like when it, was the last time a nation and I'm not talking about the Crimea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Crimea was, I mean, the, the thing that Russia's doing there is a very manipulative pushing buttons on NATO world thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about when was the last time that you know of, cause I can't even, rem- I, d- I don't know. Cause it's not in my lifetime that say Britain was allowed to go over to Africa and take one of their countries. When was the last time that happened? I don't know specifically. Yeah, me neither, because it was not in my lifetime. But I feel like in terms of like this military intervention, though, sure. which is a part of it, which yes. is still happening. For sure, yeah. And so, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons I became an activist. Yeah. And I also know that when colonization was happening, it wasn't a bug. It was part of the system, right? Yeah. And the societies of those countries never gathered 200,000 people in their main city to protest that 
but that happened when we went into an illegal war in Iraq. The nation right. oh, yeah, I remember. stood yeah. up, right? Yeah, and by yeah. 2006, the entire nation pretty much with minus the 30%, that's always minus that 30%, <sighs> was against the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk about that 30% like a we-they thing, and I have problems with the barriers because I really feel like we're all little critters here on a sphere hurling through space. Uh-huh. But there are folks that aren't going to be convinced they're not and it is only 30% and that means there's 70% of us who are open to the suggestion that we can use reason and logic and science to solve our problems and build our communication skills with each other. The reason humans are awesome and why we have grown to what we have is because we can communicate and talk out our problems. If you look at things like the intellectual dark web and Sam Harris and Steven Pinker and all these amazing people who may have different opinions, but will just sit across from each other and civilly discuss things. And it's a wonderful model for how we can get through these hard conversations. And it's happening all over the internet and we all have access to it for free. Yay. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm hopeful because yeah. we're doing it. We uh, are. I, I appreciate that outlook. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are feel a little bit more fearful. Certainly. I'm terrified. Yeah. Just because I believe yeah. that we can do it, that we have that potential. Yes. Yes. I also know that Donald Trump totally got elected president of the United States. You know that happened. Well, and the whole administration and everything that's been leading mm-hmm. up to it. It wasn't just like right. out of left field. Like how did this happen? Right. And you look at the history of this country. Yeah. And everyone who's been in yeah. position of power, war criminals who have never been held accountable. Right. And the bar is so low right now. Yeah. And that's what scares me the most mm-hmm. is that people are like, oh, he wasn't so, like the previous president, like, they're not so bad. And I'm mm-hmm. like, who are you talking about? Right. We have a right. different memory about things, I guess. Yeah. I, have a, I have a really strong cringe every time I see George Bush being like put on this pedestal that he definitely does not deserve. It, nope. Yeah, it makes me dizzy thinking about that. And I'll tell you that I know that the reason that I became an activist against the Iraq war was because of the sadness in myself at not coming out when the Al Gore and George Bush election fiasco was occurring. Because I think that was like the first major peg and domino of us losing a sense of faith in the election process, right? Think about, I mean, for me that time, what I remember is is the chaos and then people going into the counting rooms and shutting that down. And that was our democracy mm-hmm. right there. And even though we sort of let it slide because, you know, Democrats and okay, we don't want a constitutional crisis and all that, you know, don't want to rock that boat. I was ashamed of myself that I wasn't in the streets. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to feel that again. I never wanted to be, think of myself as the person who would have been on the wrong side of history. And that is literally why... I became an activist is yeah. because I didn't want to look back and regret that my voice wasn't heard and yes. that I didn't stand in the streets when it was most needed. Mm-hmm. And like it was most needed then yeah. because that was that first domino that went and sort of tinked our little belief in our democracy. You know what I mean? Okay. There was Nixon, but Nixon was busted. He got removed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that never got settled for us. That never got 
realized and put into our conversation about what our elections mean. And it, it built a sense of cynicism in us. And so many people, I think, probably stopped voting or decided just not to vote because it was just, you know, ugh, what's the point? Ugh, it's all corrupt and ugh. And sure, but it's also ours. It's our yucky mess, and we have to fix it because nobody else is going to come in and do it for us. There are no supersonic aliens that are going to come in and vote for us or pick our leaders for us. We have to do it ourselves. And if we throw up our hands, that's making a choice. Mm -hmm. That's throwing up your hands for your country. And I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I want our country to be what our best angels dream it to be and i know that we can because i know plenty of people with the skills and the dreams to make it that for sure cool <laughs> well um thanks for being here um thank you so much for having for me sure. this was super fun absolutely um, is there a place that folks can find your work yeah uh kelly johnson revolutionary photography.com okay um and i am also on facebook under that name great well, thanks so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. For that sure. was really fun. And you'll be back um, on the station later today, correct? Three o'clock today. Great, three o'clock. Yep. So folks, please do stay tuned for Common Thread Collective coming up at three. And coming up at 2 p.m. will be Women's Magazine with Global Val. We'll be taking a bit of a music break here and be back with some more news and current events. So thank you, Kelly, so much for being here. Thank you for having me again. For sure. And let's get the music started in one moment here. You're listening to Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District in San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land and grateful to be here. Thanks so much for everyone for listening. And also, if you're interested in having a show here, um, you can do so by checking out mutinyradio.fm. And we've got slots available every day of the week. So if you're interested in doing a show here, please do contact us. We like to have as many folks on the station as possible. Please do share your voices with us. All right. And... We'll be back in a little bit. Hush not, child, and don't cry. Your folks might understand you by and by. Just move on. Your destination, though you may find from time to time complication.
welcome back to the weekly review thanks to kelly johnson for coming in always grateful to speak with folks on here if you're an activist community organizer artist any combination of the three and would like to be on the program please do get in touch happy to have other voices on the show if you're unable to come in person you're able perhaps you'll be able to call in so that's also an option yeah really grateful for folks sharing your experience with us i always learn a lot thanks again for listening this is the weekly review uh a lot happened this week that's usually the case oftentimes i'll start off the show with a rant and or a trigger warning because we'll be talking about a thing things that are deeply frustrating and disturbing and whatnot and we'll be getting into a few articles later today that most likely are would fall under that category as well but also just wanting to announce that now if folks are listening for the first time and if you are thanks for listening uh, we've got an archive up over the last few years so we've been on the show and also a note that the show from august 24th it took a lot while to get it online and now it's online so please do check it out it's on our archive you go to mutinyradio.fm if you look under the shows the podcast archive it was uploaded on september 6th so you can listen to that and that will also the show mostly focused on the prison strike which is happening and lots of information there's also phone zaps a lot of ways that folks can get involved um, not only during the strike um, afterwards to create solidarity with folks who are incarcerated and i'm going to now read a little bit of an update and if folks are interested in learning more in getting involved and or spreading information there's a lot of similarly to what we spoke about there's a lot of ways to get involved and i really want to just as a reminder to myself and to others there's diversity of tactics and lots of ways that folks can be involved with what's happening perhaps you can make a phone call perhaps you can write a letter perhaps you can show up in person perhaps i i, I always mention this you can donate money and i recognize a lot of folks that's not an option for a lot of us. Um, perhaps you do though, or you know some folks who have capital. Hey, support support folks, <laughs> support folks if you can. Lots of ways to do this. That's only and create art, have conversations. There's there's an unlimited ways number of ways to participate. So just a reminder. And again, again, uh, uh, maybe that coffee is now kicking in. Okay. So for folks who are interested in learning more about the prison strike, please go to incarceratedworkers.org and they have, there's resources, there's news, there's ways to donate. Um, there's different like local, uh, local committees, there's campaigns, uh, ways to get involved, more information on the prison strike. And so it's, a, it's the incarcerated workers organizing committee. So really, ooh, we have a phone call. I wonder if it's gonna be Gail, we'll see. Hello, Mutiny Radio. Hi. Um, I was wondering if there's like uh, this Common Thread Collective today, or is that next Friday? Yes, it is today. It's today from 3 to 6 p.m. at Mutiny Radio. Great. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. That was lovely. <laughs> nice to be helpful. Um, okay, so yes, the Incarcerated or Workers Organizing Committee. Again, go to... Organ uh, why am I talking so quickly? I have plenty of time. Okay incarceratedworkers.org prison strike updates week three and this was published on september 6th today is september 7th so this was published yesterday statement regarding the ongoing nationwide prison strike issued september 6 2018 week three of the strike by the prison strike media team and they have information of folks you can contact as well as following folks on twitter and um one person uh jared ware who's a freelance journalist covering the prisoner movements is at jbware on twitter 
and they also have lots of you can also follow at IWW underscore IWOC also on Twitter for more updates. New word of protest action within the prisons continues to reach us almost every day. See strike action roundup below which they have a link to. As the national prison strike enters its third and final week, we expect to continue getting reports from inside in the coming months as lockdowns and communication restrictions ease. Speaking to a small group of journalists and activists at a press conference call on September 1st, Eddie, it's in uh, quotations, an inside jailhouse lawyer speak representative said, on behalf of the inside or On behalf of the inside organizers of this particular protest-led movement, you have to understand that a lot of prisoners don't really want to communicate openly. A lot of prisoners are fearful. This is not a normal situation. I think a lot of people don't understand that prisons are barbaric and that they are not transparent at all. Reporters and everyone else have to do their research on how people have been targeted in the past. Like right now, we know there's an all-out manhunt for jailhouse lawyer speak leaders. We already know this right here they're looking for the leaders right now they want to take our heads off eddie referenced two leaders in the 2010 strike in georgia prisons who were attacked savagely uh kelvin stevenson was beaten with hammers and terence steen was left partially paralyzed as well as actions by the state of california in 2013 to torment and isolate hunger strikers he continued he continued and then you have the free alabama movement We have where they were targeted in 2016, not just them, but we have brothers out in Lucasville that was, uh, that was targeted as leaders. And these individuals were placed in even more horrific confinement. One thing JLS always says now is don't put your face out there. Don't put your name out there on any circumstances, because if we're doing five or 10 years on Supermax, there's nothing any of you all can do. And all you all have done is assisted the system into removing us. We'd be killing our movement off. And that's what we don't want to happen. So we don't have time for for publicity stunts. We just understand the nature of what we're dealing with back there. As far as this strike is a, as far as this strike is a publicity stunt, I don't think that prisoners know what a publicity stunt really is. We know we just don't really have time for games. We know everything we do has been real. I think that's all I can really say on that. And we're not finna give them our head. We're not finna let them destroy our movement. It's not finna happen. And these are quotations from Eddie. Uh, a full write-up of the press conference will be released in the coming days. In the meantime, outside organizers urge the public to emphasize the original impetus for the strike. The incident at Lee Correctional Institution in South Carolina on April 15th, 2018, as Eddie said, one of the things JLS has tried to always remember when we've had our meetings in the past is always remember that the prison strike was called due to the tragic death that occurred down at Lee Correctional Institution in the state of South Carolina. It wasn't just the seven deaths, but also over 40 of these men were wounded. 40 of these men were an Oh, at the end of the day, left in to die with the seven. Seven, they didn't just die, they bled out. They bled and died. And when and we just want everybody to remember the horrific conditions that brought the, these deaths about. People reporting on the strike are reminded of the importance of discussing all of the demands of prisoners. And they have the list of the demands, which I'll read after this article. Uh, the demand to end prison slavery, while important, should not overshadow the nine other demands. 
As the strike heads toward a close, organizers on the inside are urging supporters to pressure legislators and representatives to meet their demands at all levels of the U.S. political system. Inside, organizers appreciate the ability to protest action to bring prison issues into the national consciousness, but the demands will not be met without legislative action to change related policies. Jailhouse lawyers speak hopes to build a coalition involving the organizations who have stood in solidarity during the strike to continue the, to push this agenda on all fronts. And then the list of demands. These are the national demands of the people in federal immigration and state prisons. One, immediate improvements to the conditions of prisons and prison policies that recognize the humanity of imprisoned people. Two, an immediate end to prison slavery. All persons imprisoned in any place of detention under United States jurisdiction must be paid the prevailing wage in their state or territory for their labor. Three, the Prison Litigation Reform Act must be rescinded, allowing imprisoned humans a proper channel to address grievances and violations of their rights. Four, the Truth in Sentencing Act and the Sentencing Reform Act must be rescinded so that imprisoned humans have a possibility of rehabilitation and parole. No human shall be sentenced to death by incarceration or serve any sentence without the possibility of parole. Five, an immediate end to the racial overcharging, over-sentencing, and parole denials of black and brown humans. Black humans shall no longer be denied parole because the victim of the crime was white, which is a particular problem in southern states. Six, an immediate end to racist gang enhancement laws targeting black and brown humans. Seven, no imprisoned human shall be denied access to rehabilitation programs at their place of detention because of their label as a violent offender. Eight, state prisons must be funded specifically to offer more rehabilitation services. Nine, Pell Grants must be reinstated in all U.S. states and territories. Ten, the voting rights of all confined citizens serving prison sentences, pretrial detainees, and so-called ex-felons must be counted. Representation is demanded. All voices count. In the strike action roundup, there have been many protests, disruptions, and unusual occurrences in prisons across the U.S. in the last two weeks. These incidents might be strike-related, or they might simply be occurring at the same time. Outside organizers are pursuing leads and seeking confirmation. In our strike roundup, we've been careful to only include instances of protest that were explicitly connected to the nationwide strike and its demands. Here is the list of activity of such activity as reported to jailhouse lawyers speak or the incarcerated workers organizing committee prior to September 5th, 2018 in California at new Folsom prison. A hunger strike was started by Heriberto Garcia on August 21st. And it continues and CSP LAC in Lancaster. A group is hunger striking. In Florida, confirmations of work strikes and boycotts via Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, and uh, Charlotte Correctional Institution, Dade Correctional Institution, Holmes Correctional Institution, Appalachie Correctional Institution, and Franklin Correctional Institution. In Georgia, there's confirmations of work strikes and boycotts, and this is via Jailhouse Lawyers Speak as well, in the Georgia State Prison in Reedsville and the Georgia Diagnostic and Classification State Prison in Jackson, Georgia. In Indiana, Wabash Valley Correctional Institution, prisoners in a segregation unit initiated a hunger strike on Monday, August 27th, demanding adequate food and an end to cold temperatures in the unit. In Kentucky, boycott activity confirmed by jailhouse lawyers speak at FCI Manchester, which is a federal prison. 
in Maryland, Jessup Correctional Institution, small group engaged in work stoppage reported by JLS and other independent source and another independent source. In Michigan, Alger Correctional Facility, a group of prisoners are boycotting all phone contact and payment to Global Tellink, GTL. In New Mexico, Lee County Correctional Facility in Hobbs, New Mexico, on August 9th, prisoners organized a work stoppage against conditions at the prison operated by private corporation GEO Group. Tensions at the prison reached a tipping point prior to the date of the strike, and prisoners could not wait before initiating their protest. All facilities in New Mexico were placed on lockdown status on the morning of August 20th. This statewide lockdown has since been lifted except for Lee County CF. In North Carolina, prisoners at Hyde Correctional Institution in Swan Quarter, North Carolina, demonstrated in solidarity with the strike. At least one prisoner has been retaliated against at Polk Correctional Institution for alleged strike activity. There are unconfirmed rumors of broader participation across the state of North Carolina. In Ohio, Toledo Correctional Institution, at least two prisoners began a hunger strike on August 21st. David Easley and James Ward were moved into isolation for participating and authorities have cut off their means of communication to outside contacts. In South Carolina, confirmations of work strikes and boycotts via jailhouse lawyers speak in Broad River CL, Lee Correctional CL, McCormick, Kershaw, and Lieber CL. Oh, excuse me, CI. My mistake. CI. Those are CI for all of those. Uh, Boycott activity uh, confirmed by jailhouse lawyers speak in FCI Edgefield, which is federal. In Texas, IWOC was forwarded a message dated... August 23rd from inside administrative segregation, uh, solitary of a Texas Gulf prison, confirming that two people are on hunger strike in solidarity with the national action. I feel great, but very hungry, and not because I don't have food, but because of our 48 hours solidarity with our brothers and sisters. It's the only way we can show support from inside of SEG. Let everyone know we got their backs. Uh, IWOC has confirmed that Robert... Yuval is on hunger strike in solitary at Michael Unit, Anderson County, Texas, in solidarity with the nationwide strike. Robert has been in solitary for most of his 25 years inside. Wow. IWOC has confirmed that there is a work stoppage at the McConnell Unit in Texas. I'm um, I'm just going to... Oh, we've got a phone call. Uh, well, I'm gonna finish reading this first. Okay, Virginia, Sussex Two, a group have of a group has released a communique related to a hunger strike in Washington, Northwest Detention Center. Representatives of over 200 immigrant detainees at Northwest Detention Center in Tacoma, Washington, declared a hunger strike on day one of the national prison strike. Amid fears of retaliation, 70 across three blocks participated. At the, as of this time, seven continue to refuse food into a second week. Nova Scotia, Canada. Burnside County Jail in Halifax, prisoners went on strike and issued a protest statement in solidarity with the strike and naming local demands. They went through a lockdown and extensive negotiations with authorities. Those who refused to cooperate with humiliating body scans were punished by being locked in a dry cell, which means no water or working toilets, for three days. Even up in Canada. Oh, okay. Oh, that, okay. Uh, so notes to the editors, um, other sources for prisoner voices during the strike. Uh, there's interviews from uh, there's an interview from It's Going Down, which 
interview it's going down interviews jailhouse lawyers speak as well as sc prisoners spoke with uh kite line airing on august 31st there's a tacoma update update on georgia from jls vaughn hunger strike kevin rashid johnson speaks to the final straw and so they've got a lot of other links here lots of information wow and just to read that aloud and there's a lot of folks participating all over the country and in canada as well so this is massive and this these are only the things that are confirmed that we know about so imagine even on a on a broader scale what else is happening that we don't know about yet so sending lots of love and solidarity to all the folks who are protesting and uh folks helping out in any way we can. And if folks are interested in phone zapping, that's something else that we mentioned on the August 24th program, as well as last week as well. And there's more information on that if you go to incarceratedworkers.org. Another way you can help out is by calling these institutions um, and organizing phone zaps to call and just relay these demands that prisoners have and you know people's families. And that's another thing too. I think I going on a limb and assume that most folks listening to the show are aware. However, a reminder that a lot of folks... <laughs> you know folks who are this affects folks people's families too so people who i can't even it should seem i'm gonna slow down a little bit just think of what it's like to have a loved one who's locked away and how to not be able to have access to them and what it's like to have parents or children who are you're separated from in that way and it's also of course brings up uh, ice and this is also just there are folks in ice who are not folks in ice folks who have been detained and this is a pretty much a very broad strike for folks uh, in detention centers as well and just a reminder of how many folks are separated from their families for just fucking bullshit reasons and how unjust and unfair it is and it's cruel and inhumane and the united states is that we have the most folks who are incarcerated in uh, of any country on earth So, <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to take away from the, you know, the folks who are protesting. It's not, it's just, it's, it's, I guess I don't have to comment on it. It's just a, it's a reality. This is what's happening. This is the world we're living in. And I want to acknowledge that that's, that that's happening. And there is a story I want to get to as well. I was going to take a music break, but I do also want to recognize that there, there's more, there's always more <laughs> to the story. There's more information to share. And something comes out of Atlanta, and that's they have decided to uh, shut down ICE centers there. So wanting to just <sighs> recognize that as well, and that there are folks out there who are continually working towards that. So... Going to um, pull up the article here, and we've shared it on our weekly review page. And uh, so, Atlanta mayor orders city to end relationship with ICE, remove all detainees from city jail. We've shared this on our weekly review page, facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. If you scroll down a little bit, the article is there. It's also been reported on 11alive.com. It's more of a mainstream news outlet. And uh, Mayor says Atlanta will no longer accept ICE detainees at the city jail. Atlanta is preparing to permanently end its relationship with immigration and customs enforcement in regards to accepting immigration detainees at the Atlanta city jail. 
Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms announced Thursday, we will no longer be complicit with a policy that intentionally inflicts misery on a vulnerable population without giving any thought to the fallout, Lance Bottoms said. As the birthplace of the civil rights movement, we are called to be better than this. And uh, let's hear let's hear her speak. And I'm gonna just get the volume adjusted right now. And it's not an accident that Atlanta is known as an international city, that Atlanta is known as a welcoming city, that Atlanta is known as an inclusive city. That is the reason why, like so many of you, as I watched the separation of families at the border a few months ago, I, in good conscience, could not stand by as the mayor of this great city and not take a very close look at what, if anything, the city of Atlanta was doing that made us complicit in this inhumane policy. You all may recall a few months ago, I signed an executive order asking that our corrections department no longer accept new ICE detainees until we could further review our policy and our position on this matter. I'm very proud to be joined today by our Corrections Chief, Chief Patrick Labatt, Michelle Mazier of our Office of Immigrant Affairs, Shana Tayback, did I get that right? Of Tahare Justice Center, and B. Wynn, is B here? Yes, of the Georgia House of Representatives. They joined us in leading a group of immigration experts to take a look at our policies and to help us chart a course forward as it relates to our position and our relationship with ICE. After several meetings in which they thoroughly weighed the pros and cons of our relationship and what it would mean to our immigrant community, there was a recommendation that has been made and that recommendation has been for us to permanently end the to permanently end our relationship with ICE as it relates to accepting detainees at our city jail. Over the past several months, several detainees have been moved for, from our jail and we have not accepted any new detainees. The last information that I received is that we were down, I believe, to five detainees, ICE detainees in our jail. We are asking, with our new executive order, Chief Patrick Labatt, to formally request on behalf of the city of Atlanta that, all, that ICE transfer all its current detainees out of the jail as soon as possible. Atlanta would no longer be complicit in a policy that intentionally inflicts misery on a vulnerable population without giving any thought to the horrific fallout. As the birthplace of the civil rights movement, we are called to be better than this. This executive order has not been issued lightly, but I do agree with the advisory committee's assessment that the detention and family separation should be avoided at all costs for nonviolent immigrant offenders. This does not mean that we are ending our relationship with the U.S. Marshal Service. This is specific to our position on ICE detainees. All right. So perhaps mayors everywhere in every city in the United States could 
take a hint and do the same and sever their relationship with ice. Here's hoping and grateful for the steps made in the right direction. Okay. I think it's time for a music break and then we'll be back with some, some more news. Thanks so much for listening to the weekly review. officers. They're public officials with the power to use force against civilians. We'd like to believe that when cops cross the line, there's a powerful system that polices the police. Now, we're all familiar with those dramatic scenes when a cop gets held accountable for his actions. I'm going to need you to hand in your badge and gun. All right, fine. You can have my badge and gun, but we're doing it in your office so I can slam them down on your desk and yell out the system stinks. But in reality, we can recount so few examples of an officer actually being held accountable for wrongdoing. Why? because it's extremely difficult to even investigate officers for misconduct. Let's talk about that. I'm Doreen McKesson, and this is Truth Be Told. 
Complaints against the police are routinely ignored. That's a conclusion Reuters reached last year when reviewing complaints from 15 cities. They found that very few were sustained by police internal review boards. In Tacoma, Washington, for instance, during the 12 months Reuters investigated, only 10% of complaints weren't dismissed. So why do so many of these complaints get tossed? Well, it turns out someone is protecting officers from accountability, the police unions. Like any union, police unions serve their members. They negotiate fair pay and workplace protections. And when an incident arises, they're called upon to help their membership, the cops they represent. But unlike a lot of other organized labor groups, police unions have managed to codify strong protections for cops into law at the expense of public safety. In these 14 states, police have their own bill of rights. Police union contracts also include strong protections for their officers. In these 81 cities, those contracts include extremely specific language aimed at protecting cops if they find themselves being investigated. Some of these protections might well surprise you or maybe infuriate you, but they go a long way toward explaining why it seems so rare that cops are held accountable for wrongdoing. In these cities and states, an officer accused of improper behavior is allowed a cooling off period. This means the officer has time between when they are accused of misconduct and when they can be interrogated by investigators. That window of time shielding a cop from an investigator can be 24 hours, as it is in Sacramento, or it can be up to 30 days, as it is in Louisiana. Normal citizens who are accused of crimes aren't given a window of time to collect themselves or get their story straight. There's no cooling off here for you or me. After all, the first 48 hours are said to be crucial to any criminal investigation. The cops know that. There's even a show glorifying that idea. Their chance of solving a murder is cut in half if they don't get a lead within the first 48 hours. Once a police officer is finally interrogated, they've got protections there too. In these cities, in this state, officers are allowed to review all evidence against them before interrogation. And in 17 cities in three states, officers are even given the names of the people who file complaints before they can be interrogated. Now combined, these clauses effectively mean that anonymous complaints can't be made against an officer. Say you see something illegal taking place and an officer is done and you want to report it. Well, they'll immediately know who you are and will know the nature of the allegation before they can even be asked any question. Now, if you or I are suspected of breaking a law, the police will just start asking us questions and we can request a lawyer to be present. But why do the police have protections that the public doesn't? Shouldn't we hold public servants to a higher bar? Even if an investigation does continue after all these rules around interrogations, how is that cop disciplined? Well, guess what? The unions have rules to address that too. There's sometimes odd specifics about the way an officer can be held accountable. For instance, Portland's police union contract states, if the city has a reason to reprimand or discipline an officer, it shall be done in a manner that is least likely to embarrass the officer before other officers or the public. It literally says that. And there's also widespread practice of routinely erasing police records of misconduct. In these cities and states, Police departments erase disciplinary records after a set amount of years, sometimes as early as one year. The point is, police officers get special treatment. How does that make sense? 
Now here's why this matters. If the cops aren't being held accountable, how can they hold communities accountable? Recent polling shows that only 30% of black people and 45% of Latinos have confidence in the police. This distrust isn't good for law enforcement or the public. The police work for every community in America. They work for us. And we have a say in how they do their jobs and what rules apply when they cross the line. Police contracts and the laws that protect cops in your community are public. And the contracts are routinely renegotiated. When they are, the police unions in your community are gonna be a strong voice in those negotiations. But they don't have to be the only voice. You can work with your local officials to be at the table too. So that video was shared, and again, that's from Truth Be Told. Uh, before that, heard some music, and that was uh, Jimmy Cliff with The Harder They Come. And previously, we heard Curtis Mayfield with Move On Up. And yes, Finding a segue here, moving into police accountability. And if folks are interested, these videos have been posted on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the news ah, weekly review. Sometimes uh, weekly rev is what I'm trying to say. It was a strong cup of coffee. That's what I'm going to. That's how I'm going to explain. Okay, so. We talk a lot about the lack of accountability for police on this show and there are also wanting to just recognize that there are ways to speak up to hold them accountable and uh just while the show was happening i've received an email from the aclu and i know the aclu is overall does a lot of good and also sometimes not on the right side of things like allowing nazis to march and whatnot <sighs> That aside, and this is, I recognize that it's, I could also just have not said that. However, I want to also just acknowledge that organizations can be problematic and not, just as humans, like, okay. Anyway, the good thing is <laughs> from this, uh, from the ACLU from Northern California. Um, so they have secured one of the biggest victories in ACLU history in California last week. The legislature passed a bill that will chip away at unjust laws that have shielded police misconduct for decades in California. Now it's up to Governor Brown uh, to sign this important bill, which is SB 1421 into law. The road to police accountability is paved with transparency, but unless the governor signs SB 1421, the public will continue to be denied information about officers whose departments have found them guilty of egregious misconduct, like planting evidence or sexually assaulting members of the public. How can we hold law enforcement accountable for misconduct when we don't know what misconduct exists. California is on the brink of increasing transparency and accountability with SB 1421. We've gotten the bill to Governor Brown. Now we just need him to sign it. So if you go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash, I just posted this. So if you're in California, please do sign this, send it over to the governor's office. And it's the typical thing. The message is, is written. You just sign. I'm going to do it right now to make sure that I do it. You have to unfortunately select a salutation. Uh, you know, put in your name. I'll put in my name here. Fill in the blanks. It's really the process itself is very much mostly done for us. We put in our email. We put in the city we live in and the state. So I would imagine you can also send this out even if you do not live in California. 
and let them know how you feel because of course what happens here affects people everywhere and also um we do know that it's hopefully things can if you know a certain certain progress is made here the idea that it can also happen elsewhere and that's you get what i'm coming from why don't they okay all right i already get your email so i don't need to do all this stuff i'm gonna unclick all these things here send message all right message uh oh they need to know okay they need to know where i live which you know that's a thing All right. And holding myself accountable by uh, doing this. Thank you for your participation. There we go. We did it. I'm also going to tweet this as well. And yeah, so lots of ways, even a, a simple less than a minute on the computer to send a message out to a person in position of power can be done. So thought that was worth sharing. There's a lot of other things happening in the world. Don't, I mean, we never get to everything in the two hours that we're on the air. We get to a fraction. That's only, of course, what we hear about. Also, we're interested if there are events or other things happening that you would like to share about happening, please do tell us. I, by the end of the show, my syntax seems to wane a bit. And we will. There's a lot of things happening in addition to the Climate March tomorrow. There's a lot of other actions and events that are happening. So we'll be talking about those as well as an event calendar for folks if you're able to go and or mention to folks who you think might be interested in going. And if we live in another another area, be like, oh, this is cool. I wish this could happen here. Organize it. That's what it takes. It's, it's people power. You got it. All right. We... Okay, so let me go back and find a couple other articles I wanted to share, and this involves unions and striking and good things like that. Also, before we get there, uh, there was some good news. Yes, there is good news on this show, believe it or not. It happens every now and then. And I guess one can say that like a lot of this can be considered good when it's you know fighting back against oppressive regimes and people. So I know it's, again, it's a, the kind of like, oh, that's a, a low bar, however, we'll take it. So there was recent news stories about how in India, uh, folks who engage in folks who are homosexuals, <laughs> the language I know, uh, it's out. I also wonder what's going to happen if, if and when this this show is, you know, the archives are still around years from now, and I look back, I listen back, or people listen back, and like, wow, that language was really outdated and or offensive, and or, oof, and hopefully we can evolve beyond that. So again, using what tools we have and. There I am with the sound effects hitting the mic stand. Okay. So is uh Okay, so I'm just going to read I'm going to read <laughs> I'm going to read the tweet instead of relying on my own comments to summarize. And this is from uh Rupa Jogani, which is uh you can find at uh you can find them at, at r underscore j o G-A-N-I, on Twitter, India was openly homosexual in history with art, culture, royalty depicting it. It wasn't until Western colonizers came and denounced it as hedonism that India became conservative. We're witnessing decolonization and a return to their roots. Western imperialism fucked up India. And and this was in response to another tweet which mentioned that as well um, from Hafsa Arain, which is at and you find them at, at H-A-F-S-A-A-R-A-I-N. Uh, India decriminalizing homosexual acts is not 
it quote unquote catching up to the West. It's part of its decol decolon decolonial excuse me decolonial decolonial process. Please read the articles you are posting before you post them. And that was posted in the uh, feminism and decolonization community, um, which I'm going to like right now because I think that's an important perspective to learn from. So I appreciate that here in the West, a lot of the information that we're taught in schools and that the media, like there's so much that's whitewashed and Westernized in this idea. And it's, you know, it's similar to here where it's like, where are all these, the, the homophobic and transphobic opinions and laws coming from? And it's just this kind of colonial disregard of folks who were here before. So when I wanted to share that. Now I'm going to move into, oh, there's some other stuff. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to put put that on the this other thing on the, I'm going to go to the, the a few other things I was going to talk about first that I never get to everything here. Uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times, thousands of hotel workers begin strike in downtown Chicago. I'll read a little bit about this. we got about half an hour left of the program trying to estimate uh, how best to share as much information as possible and there's a lot to get to. So perhaps I'll read a little bit out of this, get to the next article, and so on and so forth. Chicago Sun-Times, and they call themselves the hardest working paper in America, okay. Uh, September 7th, thousands of hotel workers on strike in downtown Chicago. Oh, here we go. And we have some video footage connected to this article. And there are folks outside with signs. This is from Lou Weeks, who's the executive vice president of Unite Here. There are four Hiltons in Chicago, the Doubletree, the Drake, the Palmer House, and the Chicago Hilton and Towers. Every single Hilton is out. It's the, it's the headlines of the Sun-Times this morning, and there's an interview. There's an interview with you from the housekeeping department here. She's interviewed in the Sun-Times this morning about losing her medication when we lose our health insurance every winter. That's why we're out here. We deserve year-round health insurance. People bust their butts all summer, overtime, mandated sixth, seventh day, and then you lose your health insurance in the winter. It's not right. It's going to stop. We got word this morning that the laborers union, which was inside this hotel doing tuck pointing, fixing the brickwork, they walked out with us. The head head of the painters union came by this morning and he's pulling all the painters out of this place. The carpenters and the plumbers over at the Hilton walked off. The building trades are respecting the picket lines. There's two things that we got to do so that we can keep our right to pick it. We got to make sure that we keep our right to pick it and they can't shut us down. They've been trying to push us out from under the awnings. They've been trying to push us out from the driveway. We are allowed to pick it there. It's a public sidewalk. We can pick it any place we want. All right. So that's from the Chicago Sun-Times. And again, this was posted uh, earlier today, as well as an article with more information. Okay. And... We got some more. This is great. I love this. There's more footage that we can play that's 
<laughs> far better in so many ways uh, than me reading the article. So let's hear from folks. We do better health care. We need all year round health care. We work all year round health care. So, so we can take care of our families. So you guys don't have health care all year round, even though you're full-time? Right. Why is that? Did, is there any inclination on why you guys don't have health care? Yeah, because it gets low, you know, in the wintertime months and we get laid off. Okay, so that's also included in the article. Uh, interviews with folks and, uh, let me read their names, uh, Donica Steed and Jessica Ramos, who are interviewed there. There's some other photos in the article as well. And there's a list of hotels where workers are striking. Wow. Okay. According to the union, Ambassador Chicago, Crown Plaza Hotel, Chicago Metro, Doubletree Chicago, Magnificent Mile, Drake Hotel, Hampton Inn, Homewood Suites, Magnificent Mile, Hilton Chicago, Holiday Inn, Mart Plaza, Hotel Blake, Hyatt Regency Chicago, Hyatt Regency McCormick Place, Inn of Chicago, JW Marriott, Kimpton Hotel Allegro, Kimpton Hotel Palomar, Kinsey Hotel, Millennium, Knickerbocker, uh, Palmer House, Ritz-Carlton Chicago, Sheraton Grand Chicago, W Chicago City Center, W Chicago Lakeshore, Warwick Allerton, Weston Michigan Avenue, Weston River North, Wyndham Grand. The union also said that the strikes are possible in the following hotels, Cambria Magnificent Mile, Fairmont Chicago, Hotel Raffaello, Park Hyatt Chicago, Tremont Tremont Chicago Hotel at Magnificent Mile. And this is a developing story. Please check back for details. And this is written by David Stritt. Wow. And disclosure notice, some labor organizations have ownership stakes in sometimes media, including the Chicago Federation of Labor, which is affiliated with Unite Here Local One. Okay. So sending, again, much solidarity to the folks on strike. That's incredible. That's great. Oh, wow. Very cool. Okay. Uh, Speaking of unionizing and strikes and whatnot, Whole Foods, and we've had guests on the show before who, um, Azalea, who's on the show before, had mentioned that when she was working at Whole Foods, uh, she tried to organize uh, a union and was fired because of this. And we've heard a lot of, I've known several other people who have worked at Whole Foods and have had negative experiences working there. And now it seems that this is from CNBC. So again, I know it's a kind of corporate media news outlet. However, they are sharing the news that Whole Foods employees step up efforts to unionize site laundry list of grievances under Amazon ownership. A group of Whole Foods employees stepped up efforts to unionize their grocery company in an email blasted to workers on Thursday. They are pushing for better pay, benefits, and profit sharing. And this came out yesterday, September 6th. It was written by Lauren Hirsch and Don Kopecki. A group of Whole Foods employees stepped up efforts to unionize the grocery chain in an email blasted to thousands of workers Thursday, setting a laundry list of grievances stemming from Amazon's purchase of the company last year. The group set up a forum on messaging app Slack called Whole Worker that allows members to anonymously share their concerns about the company without fear of losing their jobs, according to a copy of the email obtained by CNBC. In the last three years, we have experienced layoffs, job consolidations, reduced labor budgets, poor wage growth, and constantly being asked to do more 
before with less resources and now with less compensation. The email said, Jeff Bezos should not have earned $150 billion while the majority of his workers live paycheck to paycheck and do not receive profit sharing. One of their chief complaints is that Whole Foods reportedly stopped granting stock options to lower-level employees after Amazon's acquisition last year. They are fighting for better pay, benefits, and profit sharing, according to the email. The Wall Street Journal reported the latest effort to unionize earlier Thursday. Uh, Betsy Hardin, a spokesperson for Whole Foods, said the company believes its wages and benefits are competitive with the rest of the market. And of course, she's like, nah. Okay, that's that's my interpretation. But Betsy has said that she's pushed back on the need for a labor union because this person's a spokesperson for the corporation. That's probably why. And I'm not going to read that. They're, I'm not going to read this person's comment because they're against it. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know. Uh, Amazon didn't immediately return emails for comment, surprisingly. Fairly surprisingly. I'm glad I'm sitting down for that. And uh, the Retail Wholesale and Department Store Union, interesting, I didn't know that, I hadn't heard of that before, cool, uh, is helping to organize employees. The RWDSU stands with workers in precarious positions no matter what. Amazon and Whole Foods workers are no different. Union President Stuart Applebaum said in a statement, part-time workers who cannot get enough hours to make an income above the poverty line, single parents who work two and three jobs to make ends meet, and young workers who face extreme health and safety risks that will de debilitate them for life all need a union voice the new york-based labor union has about hundred thousand members across the country wow interesting so yeah wow there's there's a lot there and again sending lots of love and solidarity to the folks looking to organize <sighs> wow okay so there's more to get to it's right now it's 132 and again take a little bit of a news break Thanks so much for listening. This is Mutiny Radio, if you're listening for the first time. Thank you for listening. There's great programs here every day of the week. There's comedy shows. There's music. There's uh, spoken word. A lot of great programming here. If you yourself are interested in having a show, check out mutinyradio.fm. We've got a couple open slots during the week, some during the afternoon, some in the evenings, some late night. Uh, A lot of spots available. So if you're interested in having a show here of your own, please do connect with us. The more voices, the better we are. Uh, That'd be great. If you would like to support the station, you can do so uh, by, I believe we have a, if you go to the mutinyradio.fm, we should have a a fun drive up there, Uh, I believe a PayPal possibly. If you support the weekly review, the show that I'm producing and creating and doing, um, that would be super awesome. I very much appreciate the folks who already donate on a monthly basis. Big thanks to Ritual Cannabis, the first uh, company organization to sponsor the show and as well as the many other individuals who donate on a monthly basis. I am so grateful for folks as well as folks who have donated one time. That's also a possibility. Please do get in touch You can find us on the weekly review webpage. Send us a message if you're interested in donating. There's a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Also just yeah, get in touch with me. If you'd like to make a monthly donation and or one time donation, please do get in touch with us send us a message. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I feel like I do the show to get the word out because there's a lot of news that's either not covered at all or it's covered with a very like <sighs> the kind of bias that really <sighs> just puts the workers, puts people in general um, in a, in a negative light. And we don't, we don't want that. We want to show what's actually happening and give fo- folks a, a voice who might not otherwise be heard. So I really try to do that with this program as well as play fucking awesome music, which is always good. 
And it certainly makes me feel better. And a reminder that there are, we are in the majority and history is on our side, even though it's filled with a lot of atrocities. Okay. It's not a, com- it's not a comedy show. I never said it was. I'd be curious to see if there are, there are some shows that are more upbeat than others, I will say. And oftentimes when I have other folks on the show, it's definitely more upbeat. So again, really appreciate folks uh, calling in, uh, coming in as guests and the previous guests we've had. I've learned so much and I'm grateful for folks sharing their time and experience and energy with us. It, It does make things feel a lot better and to recognize that we're not alone. And it's easy to feel hopeless and hopeless. And when we see how much work so many people have been doing and are doing to make this world a more just place, it makes it easier for all of us. So thank you. And now on to a depressing news story. No, just kidding. I'm going to play, I'll play some music first and then I'll get to a depressing news story. It's not so much a depressing news story, but more like a little factoid that I learned today. There's a lot to learn and constantly learning and unlearning. There's a lot. And thankfully as humans, we have the capacity to hear new information and evolve our frame of thinking, our opinions, and uh, to change our behavior. And grateful for that. So we'll be doing that in a little bit. I didn't really prepare too much music ahead of time. Um, I did hear the, the Bob Dylan song for the first time yesterday, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty awesome. And there's a few other versions online, and I was going to play another version of it um, that I hadn't heard before. There's like an alternate, alternate lyrics, which are always fun. Maybe not fun, but... Uh, <sighs> It's always good to hear alternate alternate lyrics, and I appreciate music with great lyrics as well as good music too. So this is the alternate take found on YouTube, and we play the music. I mean, some of it I have, some of it's on YouTube. Uh, so let's hear this. This is a another alternate take of a political world. Disappears up the steps into the nearest bay. 
sense don't have a clue You climb in the bed, talk out of your head You're not even sure that it's you We live in a political world Courage is a thing of the past The houses are haunted, children are unwanted The next day could be your last Political world, the cities of a lonesome fear. Little by little, you turn to the middle, but you're never sure why that you're here. We live in a political world under the microscope. You can travel anywhere and hang yourself there. Another version of Political World by Bob Dylan. Why did I just... I should have just fit them. Anyway. Yeah. So, a few more things to get to. Not going to get to everything. As per usual, going to go over a few things quickly. One, which is a, is a, a term called sanism, which I never heard before. Uh, sanism is a form of systemic and a systematic discrimination and oppression of people who have been diagnosed with psychiatric disorders or, or who have or are perceived to have mental differences or emotional distress. What does Sanism look like? It looks like discrimination in employment and housing, conflating mental illness with violence, involuntary holds on locked psych units, forced drugging, restraint and seclusion, coercion into psychiatric treatment, police violence, targets of violence due to fear and hatred. 
50% of victims of police shootings are disabled. The majority of those have psychiatric diagnoses, and they have a chart here, and as well as mentioning that people diagnosed with psychiatric disorders are te- 12 times more likely to be victims of assault than the general population. And this was shared from Vermont Psychiatric Survivors, Inc. Um, so this was a, uh, somebody posted today, and it's uh, just to, I guess, bring up the the point of just how we, we treat one another. I can't really, again, losing the, the wording in terms of commenting on this, just thought that'd be something worth sharing with folks and... Ugh, just the criminal criminalization of folks and the violence towards folks and how often it's, uh, I don't really have much to more share about that, but just wanted to, yeah, ugh, share that with people. All right. Uh, getting to, so the, the Supreme Court hearing is happening and many, many people are protesting. Uh, I think two days ago, 70 people were arrested yesterday. 200 people were arrested Oh, no, it's 200 people, excuse me, 200 people total. And this article comes from The Hill. I also know someone who's been there who has been arrested. Um, so Kavanaugh, he doesn't, he, I can't, the, the, fuck, the fact that we even have to talk about people like this, that they're even in a position of power at all, and may, the idea that they have even any control, it's just disgusting. This person is uh, not pro-choice. This person doesn't know what birth control is, and somehow it's... Has also perjured himself. There's like a number of reasons this person should not be in any position of power. And many, many people are grateful that many people are protesting in D.C. And the U.S. Capitol Police arrested more than 200 people over three days this week amid protests surrounding Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. 69 demonstrators were arrested on Thursday, a slight decrease from the 73 arrested on Wednesday and 70 arrested on Tuesday, according to figures released by the Capitol Police. In total, 212 people were arrested. The Senate Judiciary Committee hearings with Kavanaugh lasted from Tuesday to Thursday and were met with, they say, aggressive protests, uh, with individuals shouting intermittently throughout the hearings. The demonstrators were subsequently led out of out by police as lawmakers and the trump oh i said his name Ugh. nominee paused the back and forth of questioning 37 individuals were removed on thursday from the committee room in the Hart senate office building where the hearings took place they were charged with disorderly conduct according to the fucking police excuse me capital police uh another 12 people were removed from the area outside of the hearing room and charged with crowding obstructing and inc accommodating okay uh, 19 individuals were arrested for the same offense outside Senator Chuck Grossley's office, and he's a Republican from Iowa, in Hart, where progressive groups staged a protest on Thursday against the Judiciary Committee Chairman Ann Kavanaugh. Um, and they say also an adult was arrested in the Judiciary uh, Committee, uh, charged with this fucking dumb. All right. That's solely conduct, resisting arrest, simple. Uh, and then uh, Piper Perabo. Uh, it was one of the hundreds arrested during demonstrations earlier in the week. Also, if you're a high-profile person with uh, power and privilege, go out there. I mean, put your body on the line like many other folks are doing, please. And sending, again, love and solidarity to all the folks out there protesting this. I mean, I can't even. Whew, I'm going to. Yeah. All right. It's 145. I think it's time to round up the program. Also, just needing to uh, speak a bit more first, though, but. First, I'm going to play a song, and then I'm going, oh, and then there's the events happening. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness, goodness gracious. Okay, well, let's, uh, lots of events. Okay, as we mentioned, tomorrow, September 8th, 9.45 a.m. to 1.45 is the Rise for Climate, Jobs, and Justice. 
It's in Embarcadero. Uh, tonight, uh, Boots Riley is speaking at the Herbst Theater at 7.30 p.m. There's also a fundraiser for Culture Collective in Oakland, Keep Oakland Queer, and that's happening tonight uh, from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Also, um, there's um, Asta Muerte Movie Night, which is happening on September 9th, which is Sunday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at 2701 Fruitvale Avenue. Uh, it's a screening of Attica, so that's happening. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so lots of things happening. And also, there's also going to be a screening of The Feminist on Cell Block Y, which is happening. It's in honor and memory of Prince White, and that's happening on Tuesday, September 11th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the New Parkway at 474 24th Street in Oakland, and that's hosted by Uncommon Law. All right, we're going to play... Uh, music to some music to end up the program. Also, we've we're at uh, twenty trans women who have been murdered so far this year, and it's filled with rage. And each time on the program, it's wanting to speak people's names, and it has to stop. And I feel oftentimes. Unable to, it just has to stop, and it feels I can't. I don't don't even have the words for it, and that's totally inadequate. And also wanting to recognize that this is happening. So I'll have a moment of silence for a bit um, for the 20 women who've been killed this year so far. And after that, we will close out the show and ease into the next uh, program here at Mutiny Radio. I came home late at 
would hide so far when living through the Civil War. When living through a Civil Christmas mornings and New Year's Day They flood with dreams and they drift away They cling to laws and covered doors While riding out this is a tent and everyone around here went the fix was in we bed and swore from both sides of a civil war we built and we knock it down We call our little mob a town We name a sign above the door God bless our little civil war God bless our little civil At a party on a golden night, playing checkers in the lantern light. They sing a song out to the shore of a women, gold, and the Civil truth carries blame every light reveals some shame progress rides with seas and horns the stowaways of civil war the stowaways of Rest in power, Shanty Tucker.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Summertime, and we're ready to groove in the mission for the 6th Annual Noise Pop Block Party. It's free, Saturday, August 18th from noon to 6 p.m. with bands Empress Of, Jeff Rosenstock, The Marias, The She's, Small Crush, The Total Bettys, and more. Come to Mutiny Radio for special programming all afternoon, including live comics, karaoke on the radio for donations, and interviews with main stage bands. Bring your family, friends, neighbors, and dogs on August August 18th to benefit Mission Language and Vocational School and celebrate the peak of sunshine. For more info, check out the Noise Pop Block Party website at www.20thstreetblockparty.com. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up a excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody Hello there, 
my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty great, I'm sure. Um, we have a little announcement for you. A PSA of sorts. Yes. Uh, listen to Cowards every 10 a.m. to 11 on Mutiny Radio. On Fridays. Yay. For some sweet, scared storytelling. Please do it. We need you. (laughs) So badly. Yes. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) And all the kissing is kissing. What is flat? Black plastic. What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat. Black. Plastic. Vinyl. Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Walker. Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic.